0: Well, as we hit this final 20th anniversary night celebration of the year, I think it's only fitting that uh, we have probably the most famous Blue Jacket with me right now. Rick Nash is joining me as our honored player. And Rick, uh, you know, it was a long time ago that you came in here as an 18-year-old young man. And here you are still uh, wearing that Blue Jackets logo. You've gone from a player to the front office and a couple of stops in between. But uh, what does it mean to you, just to watch this this franchise celebrate the twentieth anniversary? I know it's not been the year that any of us want on and off the ice, but the fact that this team has been here for twenty years and you've been such a big part of
1: it—it's been—it's been really cool. Um, you know, to come in—I uh, think it was their third year as an NHL. Uh, franchise um, to come in to see where where we started here in Columbus and then, you know, to leave for a few years and then come back and see how much uh, the city's grown, how much the minor hockey's grown in Columbus and, you know, how much this organization has grown. It it was really fun to uh, kind of be part of it and then step out of it and be on the outside looking in and, and now being back in. So I've kind of got all different angles of it. And I'm telling you, it's pretty special to have this organization in Columbus. And obviously this year was a bit tough, but, uh, but beyond that, um, you know, they're, they're an important part of the community here and it's, uh, it's great entertainment for our fans.
0: All right. Let's talk about Rick Nash as an 18 year old getting drafted by the Columbus blue jackets. Do you remember the first time that you actually came to town and got a look at nationwide arena and Columbus itself?
1: Yeah, I, I do. I, I believe it was a few weeks, or maybe a week after the dra- draft, they held a development camp. And um, you know, me being from Toronto, it was it was my first time uh, you know coming to Ohio. And I remember going to the Toronto airport and um, you know checking my hockey gear and figuring all that stuff out, and landing in Columbus. And and Todd Chirac picked me up at the airport and brought me down to Nationwide for the first time. And And, you know, just to talk about the city development a little bit, but it didn't look like this around here. You know, it was a, it was almost a freestanding, freestanding building. And it was cool. I remember walking in and and walking into the main arena and just kind of staring up and dreaming of, you know, having people standing on their feet, cheering for you. And it was, it was a special time. And, um, you know, at the time I didn't really think that, you know, I'd spend this many years here and then retire here. Um, but it's, it definitely won my heart. And uh, you know, not only the city, but the organization.
0: Yeah. It's really funny. You say that about uh, how it looks so different. I remember coming here. Uh, it was early in the the tenure of the franchise. When I was in Syracuse, we came in and played a couple of games here at nationwide arena and Prior to Huntington Park being back there, uh, there, there wasn't the, the parking garages. Those were flat parking lots. You could, you could see the building from Neal Avenue and everything. and I, That's what a lot of people say, and, and probably some of your former teammates here too, when they come back. They can't believe how much it has grown over the years.
1: Yeah, it, it truly is unbelievable. I mean, I, I feel like the arena was kind of the, uh, the landmark, and then everything started building around it. And now with the uh, Columbus Crew Stadium going down here, you know it, it's just it really is a great sports city you know you got the baseball you got the ncaa football and then then you got the blue jackets as well and it's funny when when you were mentioning that with the flat parking lots and being able to see it from all angles you know i remember coming from the airport the first time with uh todd Chirac, and you know kind of taking that last bend around uh 670 and and there the arena was you could see it in uh in full daylight there's there's nothing obstructing it and now it's uh it, it's tough to pick out so it's It's great for the city. I mean, just, you know, how how far the short North has come and and it feels like you can drive down high street and it's connected to campus. Um, It's impressive and it's a fun place to be and, and a fun place to raise a family.
0: You know what it means, Rick? It means we're getting old. Like I remember my mom used to tell me she would be driving back near where she grew up and she'd be like, Oh, I remember this was farmland. And now there was a mall on it. Right. And I used to think you're so old. Now we're telling the same stories.
1: I know it's it's funny to think that the arena was was standing alone by itself and um, you know now now you come and you feel old because you can't even see it they have all the restaurants around here and you know all the different places to go go for dinner before games so it's come a long way and it's 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 a really cool place to be around
0: when you were that young guy 18 years old making your debut in the National Hockey League especially those first couple of years. Uh, What do you remember about, uh, you know, the teammates that you had, the guys that helped you along the way? I mean, obviously you were an ultra talented guy, but there were some good veteran players here at the time that I'm sure helped to point you in the right direction, teach you how to be a pro because, you know, there was, there was no stop in the American hockey league. There was, there was right to the NHL. You're coming right from the London Knights of the national hockey league. Who were some of the guys that helped you learn how to be a good pro?
1: Well, I I think I got lucky, um, you know, with having Jody, Jody Shelley here and, you know, kind of bonding with him right away. We were both at the start of our NHL careers. And, uh, you know, he, he helped me out a lot. I was obviously a young kid leaving home. Um, so he was a great one. And then, you know, you start to think about some of the veterans with, um, you know, Mike Sillinger, Grant Marshall, Tyler Wright. Um, I, I was pretty lucky. Kevin Deneen, um Andrew Castles was a huge, uh, huge influence on me. Obviously coming from Brampton, he was from Bramalee, which was a neighboring city. Um, so it was huge to have him around and, and he really helped me out. Um, I live close to Jean-Luc Grandpierre, which, um, which was great because just having that, that bond outside the arena, which was kind of more important for me being so young was, um, was very helpful. And, uh, that, that made things a lot easier for me to perform on the ice when, uh, I ha- I've had all these older guys support off the ice.
0: Yeah, and that's, it's great to have some of those guys that you just mentioned. Uh, were there guys, when you got in the league at first, because uh, I always ask players about this, even to this day, when they first come into the league and play, a couple of weeks ago, Josh Dunn makes his NHL debut. He's facing off against Jamie Benn. That's a starstruck kind of a moment, right? Um, when you have started playing at 18 years old, you get into the league, uh, how many times Did you find yourself being starstruck and and have to pinch yourself or did you even go through that? Maybe you didn't.
1: Oh, I, I definitely did. Um, You know, there's a few, few funny stories that I could share quickly. Uh, You know, obviously growing up a Toronto Maple Leaf fan and idolizing Matt Sundin and Doug Gilmore, um, you know, I got to play an all-star game with Matt Sundin got to line up, uh, you know, on the face-off circle with Doug Gilmore. Um, Those two were, were pretty special to me, just, just, uh, you know, being a kid from Toronto, I think the, uh, the craziest one was, was when Mary Lemieux came back and I think it was an exhibition game and I was lined up, uh, on a face-off circle with him, And, and that was definitely a, a pinch me moment. And I remember the puck, uh, squirted out right in between us. And I went to go lift his stick and missed his stick and I sticked him right in the face. And, uh, it was so surreal that I just stick Mary Lemieux in the face and I got a, uh, a penalty for it. And, you know, said, I'm so sorry, Mr. Lemieux. Uh, I idolized you growing up, but uh, you know, those, those things are cool and those are kind of the things that you don't hear about, but you grow up with, you know, hockey being your life and you have all these idols and, and these role models, and then you get an opportunity to, uh, to play with them or play against them. And, you know, another one was I got to go to Olympic camp with Steve Eiserman and, Sitting on a bus, uh, you know, I think I was 21 or 22 at the time, whatever I was. And I'm sitting on a bus beside Steve Iserman. And I'm like, what What am I? How am I here? So it's, you know, those little things like that where where I definitely had those moments that you're talking about.
0: Why didn't you just tell him, you get your face out of the way, buddy? <laughs> That's right. It's his own fault. <laughs> you know, when you look at your career, the year that you won the Share of the Rocket Richard Trophy obviously was. A, a huge year for you, but as you sit back and look at it, is is that the highlight of of your career that year? You scored all those goals, or uh, you know, is there something else, or is it all kind of um, a culmination for you?
1: Um, yeah, it's definitely up there as as uh, one of my um, career highlights. Uh, but there's just so much goes goes into that award, you know, with the centerman that I played with, all the guys that had the assists, the coaching staff, so. That makes it a little more special. Um, you know, I people ask me this a lot, and, and still to this day, that one Chicago goal that I scored to uh, clinch the first ever uh, or to tie the game to, to help us clinch the first ever playoff spot um, is definitely up there. Uh, the goal against Phoenix, everyone uh, still loves. It seems that I always get asked about that. But, uh, you know, then the international play with, with the gold medals, that's pretty special. Um, you know, I would love to win a Stanley Cup uh, came close, but you know, that, that rocket Richard, I felt it did a lot for me personally. I think it did a lot for Columbus just to have a major uh, award, you know, come to the city. And, and we got to bring it out the next year onto the ice with, uh, with Mr. Mack, which was, which was really cool. So that, that memory sits up there as one of my top.
0: Since you mentioned Mr. Mack, I, I would like to, uh, talk to you about that right now, about the, the relationship that you had with him um again especially as a young player coming in here uh, an owner that was uh, very proud to have the national hockey league in columbus um what did what did he mean to you the way that he treated you the relationship that you had with him um what did that mean to you then what does it still mean to you today
1: yeah we you know we we had a great relationship um you know i remember so many stories of the, that i shared with him um you know, around the arena, outside the arena, um, it, it meant a lot to me, you know, and as I grew up as a Blue Jacket and saw what him and his family have done around town and, you know, how and just the charity that they've done and the things that they've given back, you know, along with the Columbus Blue Jackets, he, he said all along that he wanted to bring a pro franchise to Columbus and, and he did it. So, you know, there, there's so many little things from, um, you know, going out golfing with them, um, from having them come around the room and, and hang out, uh, before games. And I remember I always had a, tried to have a goatee when I was young and he would always come in and have one. And he's, he would tell me that he was growing it because of me and we looked the same. So, you know, there were so many little things that, uh, that really stuck with me from Mr. Mack and, um, you know, I feel pretty privileged to be part of this organization with him and his family being, uh, being the ownership of it.
0: Who was the better golfer you or Mr. McConnell? Well, he, he was
1: more of a watcher by, uh, by that stage. Um, you know, he would come out in his golf cart and just kind of watch us hit. And, you know, funny enough, I almost, one of us where we were playing with him, almost almost struck him one time and he was out there waving his white towel, telling him, uh, that he, he surrenders, but, um, you know uh, that, that their family there is pretty good golfers so i i can i can say with quite confidence that i don't think i could beat uh, any of the uh, mcconnell boys at golf
0: <laughs> this is hockey from home presented by kemba financial credit union i'm with rick nash right now and uh, we were talking about the rocket richard when you won that award that year um you know did did you get the idea that Hey, maybe I'm going to do this every single year. I I know you realize how hard it was to do, but did you just, does that kind of uh, fuel that inner drive as a player where you really get a lot of confidence in yourself and you're just like, uh, you know, almost like the, Hey, this is, this is where I belong. And and, and this is, this is what I can do. This is the kind of player I can be every year.
1: Yeah, I I definitely thought that, Um, you know, I was a bit surprised to win it so young and And as I got older, I just looked back and I remember so many goals that year that shouldn't have went in and they did. And it it just proved how many things had to go right. Um, And and then it, you know, that year, I think I was, I was minus in the minus, you know, thirties or something, which just kind of showed that I I was being used to score goals and goals only. And, and once uh, Ken Hitchcock came into the league, into uh, the Blue Jacket organization, I feel like I took my game to a to another level where I wasn't only scoring goals; I was playing a two hundred foot game and and um, responsible at both ends of the uh, of the arena. But you know, the, the time that I finally broke forty one is when I was uh, in New York and scored forty two, and I'm telling you, Bob, it was like I was going back in time because everything went in, and it, it was just amazing that um, that for. You know, these guys that are scoring 50 every year or 40 every year, it's so impressive for me because I know how hard it is to do um, unless you have a shot like, uh, like Line A or Ovechkin or these guys. It's uh, it, it's really hard. You, you need a lot of things to go right to uh, to win that award.
0: You talk about being a 200-foot player, and Ken Hitchcock helped you do that. Can you explain that because there are still fans to this day that, with John Tortorella, who you played for in New York, uh, you know, where, where he'll get accused of taking a very skilled player and trying to turn him into a, a defensive player. And that that's really not the case. If you do it right, if you, if you do it the way that you're talking about, you just cover the entire ice and you become a better overall player. Correct.
1: Yeah, you're exactly right. Players, um, you know, you have to understand it was funny. I remember I was getting off the plane one time, I think we were in St. Louis and, Pitch pulled me aside and he asked me, he's like, do you want to be a, you know, do you want to be a goal scorer in this league or do you want to be our best player? And I'm like, well, you know, if I score a lot of goals, I'll be our best player. I was thinking in my head. And he said, well, no, because I want to use you on the penalty kill. I want to use you in the last five minutes of the game. If we're up a goal, he said, I want you to be a complete player. And that's where it kind of clicked in my head that if I want to be on the ice for 20 minutes a game. I'm going to have to adapt to being a complete player. And I think the one thing is you don't want to take away a player's, um, you know, creative ability to uh, to score goals, but you have to make them understand that a lot of your offensive chances and opportunities are going to come from being in the right spot defensively. There's obviously times where you have to take chances. Um, you have to let your instinct come into play. And, and you know, it's fun watching uh, Cam Atkins Cam Mackinson on the PK and see his instincts. It's, it's impressive. And that stuff you got to let go. But at the, uh, the end of the day, if you have a, a defense first mentality, you're going to get so many more offensive chances. And I've had this talk with Torts a lot of times when I was with the Rangers and had him as a coach. So it's, it's, uh, it's funny to see him, uh, press that here. And, um, I think it's the right way to play.
0: Oh, he must've been thrilled when you came to the Rangers, that you were already that kind of a player that, Hitch had already done that. He didn't have to, he didn't have to butt heads with you to get you to do it. Uh,
1: I'm, I'm sure he was shaking his head sometimes at uh, you know, some of my games and some of the opportunities I took, but uh, you know, me and Torts have a fun, uh, a fun friendship and um, you know, I, I loved uh, playing for him.
0: You talked about international play a few minutes ago. And, and of course, winning gold with team Canada is huge what were those international tournaments like for you every time you got to pull on that team Canada sweater I know that's a lot of pride for you guys but for you specifically what's the feeling when you get a chance to play on those teams
1: yeah there's so much pride um you know you put on the red and white maple leaf and you know hockey means so much to the uh to the country of Canada that uh you know they 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 always expect one color and, and that's gold and you know if you don't win gold in Canada, I can honestly say it's, it's a failure to that tournament, to that Olympics, to that world championships, whatever it might be. Um, so going through kind of all the different emotions that we did in, uh, in Torino in 2006, where I think we finished seventh, um, it was tough to show face that summer back home. You know, you, you weren't uh, too well liked. And then, you know, to touch on the, the gold medals, we go into Vancouver and, you know, all the media is asking how much pressure we have on us. And I remember Steve Eisenman telling us, you know, just, you know, don't, don't bite into the media asking about this pressure. Just, uh, you know, say it's a new tournament, it's a new team. And then we got to, uh, we got to try to win gold, but uh, I'm telling you the pressure that we felt, it was, uh, it was extreme and winning gold, um, that time around felt like a huge relief. And it was, uh, it was a fun celebration for our country to, uh, to win gold in our backyard. Um, and we go to Sochi and it has a totally different feel to it. You know, we show up, I think, three days before our first game. We missed the opening ceremonies. Um, it was almost like a business trip. We, uh, I don't think we lost a game that, that tournament. We won gold. It was, it was uh, literally about a two hour celebration. Um, and we were back on the plane, back to playing the NHL. So I always, I always compare it to Canada being a huge relief and a huge celebration. And then Sochi. In a uh, a business trip, and we were there to win gold, and then uh, come home back to our NHL clubs.
0: Let's go back to that one that you won in Vancouver, though, because that final game was such a an exciting game. The way that it goes, and it gets tied late, and then of course Crosby comes up with a golden goal when it's all over. Tell me about the intensity of that game itself, and especially when you're getting down near the end of the third period. All of a sudden, you've got to go beyond that. Um, was there tension? Was there just – I mean, you're, you're in the final game of the thing now, right? So uh, are you just like, look, whatever we got, we're just putting it out there. What was the feeling like as you sat there, whether you were on the ice or on the bench?
1: Yeah, it was uh, – you know, it was a weird situation because, you know, we were minutes away or seconds away from a gold medal. And obviously USA had a great tournament and a great team, and, and they tie it up and it was a, a deflating moment. And then you try to hold on for the last minute or last few seconds. And you come back in the room and it's kind of interesting because you have seven or eight captains or or whatever it was on their NHL club that are playing for team Canada. And everyone was confident. Everyone was calm. You kind of did exactly what you did uh, in between periods of a regular game. And it just had that feeling around it. Like the story was already written. The book was already finished and we knew who was going to score we knew we were going to win. And obviously they, they, you know, they, they had a couple opportunities and the USA had the team to win a gold medal and they had a great tournament. But, you know, as, as I get older and look back on it, I, I said, the story was already written. Crosby was going to score and he was going to be Mr. Canada. And it was going to be the golden goal. But um, in between periods, there was a lot of confidence and, and it was fun to be part of.
0: It's funny you say that because, um, it would be great no matter who scored it, but you're right. It was like, it was all meant to be. Yeah.
1: I'm telling you, I had a, I had an opportunity in overtime coming down the right side and I stopped up and I shot it and it was my go-to low blocker shot. And I still have dreams that I was Mr. Canada and I had the golden goal. But uh, like I said, it was, uh, it was fun. And, and, you know, Sidney Crosby is such a good leader. He's such a nice guy off the ice. Um, You know, he drags his teammates into the fight. And so I, I I wouldn't expect anything different other than for him to score that goal.
0: Now, one of my favorite memories of you has nothing to do with playing in a game. Uh, It was early in my tenure here and you got that gold medal and we went to, um, we had to go to, it was CD one Oh one at the time. They had you come in in the morning to do an interview and I went down there with you, and you came in. You're wearing a hoodie, and, and you come in. You start doing the uh, interview, and they're like, uh, "Did you bring the medal?" And you're like, "Oh yeah, I got the medal." And you reach into the pocket of your hoodie, and you just whip out a gold medal, like everybody carries one, you know. And, and then they wanted you to play bubble hockey, and you're like, "Hey Bob, can you hold this medal?" Sure, Rick. I, There's something I do every day is just hang on to gold medals. I that, that was really it was one of the coolest moments because. Uh, what it says is what I know from being in the sport for a long time. Hockey players are regular people. As proud as you are about everything, um, you know, you're just the same as uh, Joe Blow on the street.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, at the time, you know, the medal was was awesome and it was great. But I, I always remember, you know, right after we got back to the room, I would, both Olympics, I took my medal and I, I went and put it around the trainer's neck. Um, Jim Ramsey and I said you you know you guys don't get a medal but no one sees all the work you guys do so I, I let him wear it um, you know another another time I had a, a friend that was handling uh, all our flights for us um, Steve LeMessier and uh, he was in the room I'm like no one sees what you do behind so I put my medal around his neck um, you know now that I'm older and I have that medal and, and my kids love it, it it's cool but at the time you know you win those championships to have the experiences and the memories and yeah, the metals a great part of it, but the cool thing for me is to uh, is to share it with people and to sh- share that uh, experience uh, through the medal. All
0: right, Rick, let's talk about um, you know, when you playing tenure with the Blue jackets came to an end. that that was the one part of your career where I don't know if you wish it would have gone a little bit better or if it was if it's okay with you now, uh, but you ended up getting traded to the Rangers, you know at the time. You had said, you know, if you can make the team better by me going somewhere else, go ahead and do that. You know, ironically, as it turned out, that really kind of happened. That trade with the Rangers started to springboard everything that happened here and and turn it around. But that had to be a very difficult time for you. Um, When you go back to that point in your life and and making that decision and then it all playing out, how tough was it?
1: It it was really hard. I mean, uh you know how much this organization and how much this city means to me. Um, You know, I was coming into my 10th year as a, uh, as a blue jacket and, you know, we weren't having much success. We just kind of uh, traded away a few of our young guys for older guys that, um, you know, didn't seem to like it here. Didn't seem to want to be here. So I, you know, I went to management and I asked them an, an honest opinion on where we are and what our plan is. And I think it's um, being in the front office now, I think it's um, important to have the communication lines um, open. And, you know, they, they, they expressed to me that they're going to go through a rebuild and, you know, we're, we're going to try to rebuild around you. Like we, we have been for the, for the 10 years. And, you know, I was coming into to uh, the older point of my career. I think I was 27 or 28 at the time. And you know, it was an idea of if you guys want to go down that road, right, why not, um, start it with me. And, and, you know, it was, it was, it was kind of mutual after that they were, they were okay with it. Um, you know, it, it just kind of got messy after that, which is unfortunate because, you know, I feel like I've put a lot into this city, a lot into this organization. And, you know, at the same time, I respected it. I was a player that got traded and you know what, you're, you're the enemy now. And you come back into town and, you play on the other team and you got to respect that as a, uh, as a sports fan. So yeah, I wish it it could have been smoother, but um, at the end of the day, I I wouldn't change my experience in New York uh, for in Boston for four months. Um, It was incredible playing for the original six um, playing at MSG. So I, I wouldn't change anything.
0: All right. Well, I've got to ask you this now, because of the way that you described that whole thing where, you know, at the time the trades that were made and, and the situation where the team was now you're on the other side of it. I mean, now you're in the front office. Now you are working alongside with Yarmo. Um, you know, you, you guys have discussions uh, in groups about where this franchise is going right now. Um, so, you know, Nick Felino is traded out. David Savard is traded out and it, it seems like it's kind of at a crossroads again, a little bit right now. And, you know, when you're talking about how they came to you and they said, we want to build around you, you know, the guy that jumps out at me right now is Seth Jones. You know, is that the kind of guy that you want to build around? Probably a good leader, a great player here. So with your own experience that you just related to us, when you're having these conversations and you're talking with Yarmo, you know, how much can you kind of put yourself in the moment when you're looking at the guys that are here and, and uh, how you guys can go about reloading this thing the way that you want to?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's a great uh, it's a great question that you're asking because it's it's a very similar situation, and I, I think it's important that we're all on the same page here. Um, we all have the same end goal, and that's to bring a Stanley Cup to Columbus, and it's a matter of not having you know two sides um, with two different. Uh, game plans, I guess you could say. So, you know, it's important that, that we know where our players stand and that they, that they want to be here. Um, you know, we, we try to, we're trying to make, you know, everything as easy as possible for these players. So they just have to worry about what's going on on the ice. But at the end of the day, I think the communication of it um, is huge. And some of the best teams that I've been around, whether it be Olympics or, or playoff teams or, you know, going to the finals, the communication was always there uh, between the coaches management and the players. And I think moving forward with the position we're in, it's going to be important for us to know who wants to win a Stanley cup with the blue jackets and who doesn't have that dream. Because with this organization, we obviously want the blue jackets to be on top.
0: And part of the, Part of what your role is, and I know you want to keep guys here. I know you want to be instrumental in that, too, um, because you're here. Like you said, you fell in love with this place. Uh, You could have gone back to the Toronto area. You could have gone anywhere you want to in the world. But here you are, retired in Columbus. And there are plenty of your former teammates that are doing the same right now. They're coming back. I know that uh, the alumni group that Jody Shelley heads up is uh, getting larger all the time. So what, what kind of things can you do with today's player to relate to them, to, I don't know if I should say to get to get them to love it as much as you do here, but to at least uh, get them to want to stay here, to want to win that Stanley Cup with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah,
1: it's um, you know it's not the easiest easiest thing to do, but it's it's definitely what um, I'm kind of uh, you know have have on my plate. And there's different situations with with every person. Um, you know, some guys want to go to a big market. Some guys want to go to Original Six and. And I've done it. So I, I get where they're coming from. I understand it. Um, and saying that there's some really hard parts about playing in, uh, in a, in a city, like an original six or a city in Canada, um, that you can't get away with, uh, that you can here in a place in Columbus. So it's, it's tough, but each situation is different. And I think the one thing that really breeds people that want to stay is if, if you have a winning organization, And I feel like that's, that's where we have been, um, you know, for the last four, four to six years is, is a winning team that's been in the playoffs every year. Obviously this year is a bit different, but if you know, you have a chance to win the Stanley cup and make the playoffs, then I don't understand why you'd want to leave. If you, uh, if you started here, I mean, the city's great. Um, you know, the community's great. It's a great place to raise a family it's uh it's a fun place with all the sports down at ohio state so for me it's it, it's an easy uh it's an easy sell unless you have guys that want to go to a, a huge market then um you know there's not much you can do other than if you have a winning product on the ice
0: yeah and that's a great point and you know do, do you feel this year has been so weird i mean let's be honest there's uh, development hasn't been able to, to be the same as it normally is. You have guys on taxi squads instead of in the American hockey league um, you know, players on the road can only go to the rink and the hotel uh, the, the camaraderie. I think the, the lack of being able to have camaraderie and bonding, I think it has hurt this team in particular because I think this team is uh, that's a big part of what they do. And the new players that came in this year, they weren't able to do it. Um so are you hoping that this year is just kind of like a, a write-off and you can say, look, that one was a, that was a blip on the radar and we're going to get this thing put back together. We're going to get a couple of players in here uh, via trade or free agency, whatever the case is, and put it back on track?
1: Yeah, I think you, uh, you hit it, though. It's been a strange year for everyone, you know, for to be in a bubble and, you know, not be able to, uh, you know, be outside of it and, and live a regular life but and saying that it's what needed to be done to uh to get an nhl season in so that side of it has been really impressive but um you know the other standpoint it's amazing the way a team can come together off the ice and away from the rink and you're right this this team is always known as as a close-knit group a team that's hard to play against And all these different things that uh, makes nationwide arena a tough place to come into. But when you can't bond outside the arena, I think it's affected us as for sure. Uh, Um, and saying that, I think we got to take the positives out of it. There's no point of just sitting here and, uh, you know, dragging our feet. I I think we got to, uh, we got to learn from these different experiences of, of getting off to quick starts, um, being able to close out games, you know, learn from these experiences that we can take into, uh, next year when we hopefully have more of a a normal season
0: how much are you enjoying the front office experience and going out and doing a little bit of scouting and again that's different this year it's not as much as it normally would be but you've gotten a chance now a couple years ago you were dipping your toe in the water just kind of uh, being around during the playoffs now you're full-fledged in there how much do you enjoy this role in hockey
1: yeah I, I love this role um it's been, uh, it's, it's, it's been so helpful to me with the adjustment of retirement and, um, you know, kind of the way I went, went out of the game where I still feel like I had some years left in me. Um, it's been a huge help, and I'm so thankful to, uh, you know, to the McConnell family, to Mike Priest, to, uh, to Yarmo for giving me this opportunity um, and to get to learn off, learn off him and, you know, go on scouting trips with Basil McRae, Josh Flynn, get to go up to Cleveland with Chris Clark. I I mean, I'm so grateful for this opportunity and so lucky to be in this position and, you know, just, just keep trying to be a sponge and learning and and growing with this organization and uh, you know, make this a a great place to play. And, and, and uh, people want to uh, want to be here.
0: Have you figured out what the ultimate goal is for you yet in this role? I mean, you know, some guys, uh, they they do it and they're like, hey, you know what? I think I could be a general manager. I'd like to be a general manager. Maybe I want to be a president of hockey ops. Um, have you gotten to that point yet, where you've come to an ultimate goal as a management uh, member of the management?
1: Yeah, you know what? It's been uh, it's been fun to kind of learn this this side of it. And you know, at first, you just don't know what where exactly you want to be. Most guys, and and I felt like I wanted to be in management. I've always been so interested on how you build a team. And, you know, as I get into this, I get interested on the business side too, to see how this organization works from a business standpoint. Um, so, you know, right now I'm, as I said, I'm lucky that Yarmo's kind of taking me under his wing and I get to learn off, uh, you know, one of the best guys in the hockey business. Um, I definitely want to stay in, in, in the management area. Um, but it's also been fun to hang out, you know, with my family and get to enjoy time with my kids and, uh, and enjoy those things. So we'll see where, where it takes me, but I'm, I'm so happy in the management uh, department.
0: Yeah. Enjoy the best of both worlds while you can, buddy. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> Rick, thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, it's, it's only fitting that as we come to the end of the 20th anniversary celebration that uh, you are the headline player. So uh, you had a, a great career as a player here and now doing good things in management. Uh, again, I appreciate your time and look forward to talking to you again soon.
1: Thanks, Bob. I've always felt like I've been a uh, Blue Jacket. No matter where I go, it's uh, it's always nice to be home.
0: There he is, Rick Nash. Started as a draft pick and a player in this organization and now helping Yarmo Kekalainen forge the future of the franchise. This is Bob McElligot saying so long and thanks for listening.